There are still, I just, I'm just so grateful for the the technological advances that we have, um, that we have adapted in our, in our everyday society and culture. Like, I'm just so thankful that, that I could wake up on a Monday morning and I can go to NFL.com and I could watch every snap from Bijan Robinson. I just want to take a, a second of silence to, to just talk about how grateful I am for that. Bijan Robinson. I'm just going to say something kind of sad and depressing about how he might be the most pleasurable thing in my life at this moment. But I won't go as far as saying that. I won't go as far as saying that watching Bijan Robinson play football is one of. It's the ninth wonder of the world. And if I said that wrong, then it's the 10th wonder of the world. And if I said that wrong, then he's an eighth. But I know there's either the eighth or the ninth or the 10th. One of those is the next man up. One of those is the next man up, similar to the Falcons' backfield. You just point to a guy, he's the next man up, and he's ripping six after six after six after six. Week two is in the novels, maybe except for Monday Night Football. We've got a couple games tonight. Uh, I want to say... Thank you guys for hanging out with me on this Monday. We do this every single Monday. We go game by game. We look at the box scores. We look at the stats. We look at the in-depth numbers so y'all don't have to do this on your free time. I do it so you don't have to do it. Subscribe to the channel if you're new here because we'll be doing it every Monday. Tomorrow, we'll be doing the waiver wire video. We had that new style. Y'all fucking loved it for whatever reason, so we'll run it back. Start. We tried a new style on the waiver wire video, and... For whatever, I've been doing YouTube for a long time, you know. I say my first Rodeo. But I put that waiver wire video out and it's like low-key one of, if not like just it's top three most viewed videos ever on our channel. For absolutely no reason. Waiver wire blowing up for no reason. I'm six foot five for nothing. Two two Atwell, 160 pounds for something, it seems like. We're gonna go game by game. We're gonna recap everything that you need to know as it relates to fantasy football. And I just want to say, of course we came tucked. Come on now. Come on now. I won't, I got to, I got to lock in. I got to, I got to dial in during these live streams. So if I have to ask one thing of y'all, I don't really look at, um, I don't really look at the comments when I'm in the middle of the game by game live streams. Cause I really, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like rotary phone type dial in. So uh, please withhold from sending any super chats because I will not see them and then I will not answer them and then you guys will get upset with me about me not answering them. So withhold the super chats. I don't want your money. I want you all to dial in. We've got a long one, as they always are on Monday mornings, game by game. And I want to I wanna quickly shout out. Let's transition over to the games. I've got all the box scores up here. We're going to go... Move my ass screen because I know you guys love looking at me. We're gonna go down. You could see on the top there every single game. But first of all, I want to I want to give a shout out to um, Fantasy Life, and I want to kind of minimize myself if I can. Hold on, give me a sec. This is like the mm, what is going on here? Ecam Live, you're so close to being a good software, but you're just not. You know, you're just you're just not it. 
Okay. So Fantasy Life is Matt Berry's company. They just raised a bunch of money and Pete's on here and they got a, a lot of really good creators on here. This is one of the single best free resources on the internet right now for fantasy football. And I don't say that lightly because I don't really throw a lot of new resources into my Rolodex because I'm pretty, I'm pretty dialed in when it comes to doing my research and my routine and what I'm looking for. Fantasy Life has come in and legitimately like I feel like spoke to who my audience is in terms of the tools and the stuff that they have available on their website, completely free for y'all to, uh, for y'all to use. This is not a plug. They didn't pay me for this shit. Um, this, this is like some real good shit and more particularly their utilization drop down is so fucking sweet, free to use. You can go to season stats and, and they keep it like they keep it very, very clean and very simple for the for the average fantasy football player. And I almost feel like if you're in my audience, the average fantasy football player for the most part is someone who plays season long. You probably started to or are pretty hardcore into Dynasty and you play a lot of best ball underdog. They cover all of those things on here for free for you guys. This is one giant plug for them. Again, I have no kickback on this. I just like to give roses out to those whom deserve it. For those looking like a fucking prom date, I give them a rose, okay? So if you go to utilization, what it doesn't matter what you click on. The four tabs are like right here. It is some really fucking neat stuff, man. They have game logs. Basically, if you want to look at like, all right, let's take a look at how the Atlanta Falcons split up their backfield, right? You can go to Falcons. You can go to their positional drop down. And it has the game logs and it has all the players that played for them. And it has their snaps. It has the rushing uh, attempt percentage. It has targets per route run. It's got short down and distance snaps. It's got uh, attempts inside the 15 yard line, long down and distance snaps, two minute drill snaps, whole gang of really fucking valuable information that normally you see this powered by PFF. They must have paid PFF a whole gang of money, a whole lot of money to allow this to be part of their package externally because this is shit you would normally have to pay for and probably pay a pretty penny for and this shit goes live monday mornings at like 8 a.m 9 a.m i'm up early trying to do the research on all the games that happen but if you ever need this shit boom this is where i'm doing a lot of research man and they have a lot of cool tabs where you can go by game logs you could split up into weekly ranges it's just cool shit man so i just want to give you all a free resource a lot of times i look at myself as a middleman i look at myself as a middleman i'm not selling you drugs you know what I'm saying? I'm not making drugs. I'm not selling them to you. I'm just telling you where to get them. I want you to have a good time. But if things go south at the party, man, it wasn't my fault. You made the responsible decision to consume information from any website. You know what I mean? It always goes back. It always goes back to drugs. <clears throat> Stay in school. Let's talk some fantasy. Let's start off on the Thursday night football game. Okay, let's make me a little bit bigger. And uh, every week on the channel, myself, J-Mo, and Tony do a Thursday night football preview. And every week, we usually tend to hone in on one player or one storyline in particular. And then whatever the take that we give on that is, it just ends up being the exact opposite. <clears throat> so let me give you an example. When we did the preview for the Chiefs and the Lions... I basically started the video off by saying, I will first say, like, we nailed a lot of the shit in both the Thursday night previews. We are uh, seven for seven on our underdog squares, which is mwah, because that's really the only thing we care about in this godforsaken, sickening world. But I will say we got on there and we're like, there's no chance the Lions win this game. They won the game. 
the next week, Thursday night preview between the Vikings and the Eagles. First thing I said was like, is DeAndre? I was just asking the question. I was just asking the question, what is wrong with DeAndre Swift? Is he good anymore? Why is he being thrown around the league? Why is he being tossed around like a rag doll? What's the reason? What's the purpose? Kenneth Gainwell missed this game. And that ended up allowing DeAndre Swift to go fucking nuts. As you can see here, 28 for 175 and a touchdown. I didn't look at the numbers. You guys can figure it out. I don't think it's that big of a deal. But I don't I don't think he's had a game in his career with more than 28 carries. I would be shocked if he did. He looked phenomenal. The Eagles offensive line looked phenomenal. The Minnesota Vikings defense is the opposite of phenomenal. With Kenneth Gainwell likely coming back next week, if not the week after, whatever, I still, for the most part, expect this to be a committee of some sorts. But I can't imagine that Swift is not the head and the traps and the arms of the committee at this point. So for all the reasons that we were nervous about Swift in the beginning, like it's going to be a committee. We saw that kind of come to fruition in week one and his injury concern. It's still very much there. He's a dude who has trouble playing the full 16, 17 games still very much there. But in terms of like opportunities, it seems like now is it's, it's kind of ripe. It's kind of ripe there for the taking. So if you have Swift, I think just going forward, you can feel pretty confident about firing him up as uh, an RB2 with obviously boom, boom weeks like we saw with this one on Thursday Night Football. On the flip side, the only real takeaway here is one, KJ Osborne is still running more routes than Jordan Addison, right? If we go back to fantasy life, we can just see this shit real quick. Team, Minnesota. Oh, these are stats. Let's go to game logs. Yep, this is what we're looking for right here. So we're talking about routes right here. You could see week one, Justin Jefferson's obviously just doesn't come off the field. No reason he should. That number ever dips into double digits. The head coach should be fired. KJ Osborne, 94 routes in week one, 96 routes in week two. Jordan Addison, they ended up playing more, as you could see, 11 personnel, obviously, because his percentage went up, although Osborne's didn't come down. I would uh, I, I would be shocked if at some point during the season these numbers don't flip where Addison's a 90% guy and KJ Osborne's not. But they clearly feel comfortable with that. And the other cool, one of the other cool um, tabs on Fantasy Life is this team styles tab. And you can see plays, drop back, scheme. So scheme is what we're looking for. You could see that they jumped their 11 personnel percentage all the way up to nearly 70%, which is why Jordan Addison got onto the field uh, a little bit more. But these are all just like very basic, clear, easily consumable stats for you to go fucking thrive off of or slay, as Anna would say. I saw you in the chat earlier. Don't think I see everything. I see everything out in these streets. Um. Okay, so the Minnesota Vikings run game is just a fucking shit show right now. And I will say this. Me and Jam also do a trade target video every Wednesday. We're going to be doing them going forward every Wednesday. One of my buys was Alexander Madison. Uh, th this was the video we made last week. It was Alexander Madison after the Vikings played the Eagles. Struggled in week one, and I said he's going to struggle a ton in week two. After that, the schedule gets super cakey, Okay. I understand he's not the most talented running back, and I'm not expecting him to break away plays, but we've seen him operate at a very high level when it, when put in good situations. The next four games, they play the Chargers, the Panthers, the Chiefs, the Bears. After that, uh, you know, Niners are obviously extremely tough, but Packers, Falcons, like, they don't have a scary um, a scary schedule over the next, like, eight weeks or so. So when I'm looking at Alexander Madison, and we can go back to this tool again, this just happens to be in my face, so we're just going to keep bringing it up to prove my points here. Alexander Madison. 
80% of the rushing attempts, 75% of the snaps, 57% of the routes run. Targets. Targets per route run are honestly not bad. Short down and distance, 95% of it. Long down and distance, two-minute snap. This is probably the most surprising one, this this little piece right here. Two-minute and four-minute drills. 80% of the snaps in week two, 55% overall. That was like what my concern was going to be with Madison is he becomes a two-down thumper that doesn't um, get any of the valuable pass-catching work, and he hasn't been catching passes, but I think that will turn around because they continue to put him in situations where uh, where he should catch passes. Now, the Minnesota offense overall has some shit to figure out, but I think right now, because Madison's value is about as terrible as it's going to be all season, hopefully, I think he's a good buy low because you don't have to send anyone of real value to uh, to get Alexander Madison, right? Madison was like a fifth-round pick in the summer. You don't have to pay. You look at some of the other fifth-round picks, right? Like Aaron Jones was near him. You look at the wide receivers in that range. It was like it was Ayuk and it was London. And like you don't have to pay those prices to get Alexander Madison at this point. You can throw. I actually, I actually love Zay Jones, to be honest with you, but you might be able to flip Zay Jones for Alexander Madison. And I don't even know if I'd suggest that because Zay Jones is another buy low for me. Again, subscribe to the channel if you're new here because we'll be talking about trade targets come Wednesday. But I think Madison is is going to be fine. Uh, I think he'll be a top 25 guy the rest of the season still. I think you can buy him for lower than that because he started off with two miserable, miserable games. Now, let's move to what I would consider the least miserable game of all time. I'm going to be honest, though. I, I was sick to my fucking stomach on our first. It was either our first or our second goal line drive. We got to the one-yard line. We got to the one-yard. We're running the ball, right? We are running it, and we're running it, and we're running it, and we're averaging fucking five, six yards a carry, and and, and we're moving down the field. And for whatever reason, we get to the one-yard line, and Arthur Smith wants to fucking draw up trick plays, and he wants to do play-action, bootleg, roll-around uh, shots to our second and third-string tight ends. What are we doing? Just shove the ball up the middle of the line Four fucking times if it's first and goal from the one. Okay, the first play to Bijan didn't get into the end zone. You have three more. You have arguably the best running back of all time in your backfield and one of the most electric athletes that will grace any football field any given Sunday. Just give him the ball three times. He's going to get in the end zone. Oh, my God. I was going to lose. I was. I couldn't look at Arthur Smith on my TV for the rest of the fucking game. He made me sick. He made me sick. But we come away with the dub. Both sides, there was good and bad. Jordan Love, I promise you Jordan Love is the truth, man. Jordan Love loved him this summer. What he's doing with so little is so impressive right now. It's easy to look at his numbers and be like, ah, nothing great. I mean, first of all, two games in a row, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Look at the weapons that he's doing it with. Dontavion Wicks. Also, Wicks is, we wrote him up in our rookie draft guide. He's a really cool player. He is like a nice field stretcher for them. If you're in a dynasty league, he's a rookie guy. I think he went in the sixth round. Um, if you got room for him and he's on the waiver wire, he's a guy in dynasty that you could absolutely add to your roster. Jaden Reed, another rookie. Luke Musgrave, another rookie. Romeo Dobbs, we need we we got we got to lock that up. We got to lock it up, Dobby. But here was my here's my thing. Like when uh, I I did two live streams Saturday Sunday, and a lot of the sentiment I had with the Packers and the Falcons was like. The Falcons are going to run the ball 40 times this game. And, I mean, Ritter had 10 rushing attempts, but overall they ran the ball 45 fucking times. This is what's going to happen when teams are playing against the Falcons, man. We are going to do nothing but run the ball. We're going to run the ball and run the ball and run the ball. I don't know where the time of possession is, but I can't imagine it is even close to favorable. 
in Green Bay's favor. Where the fuck? Where the fuck is the stats? Can we get a T.O.P. check? There we go. Right here. Down here. Falcons, 36 minutes, 15 seconds. Green Bay, 23 minutes, 45 seconds time of possession. And we didn't have that because we were playing better. We had one turnover. They had zero turnovers. This should not be the time of possession. But that's what's going to happen when we keep feeding our running backs. And our running backs are really fucking good. Bijan, currently on pace to go over 2,000 yards from scrimmage. We need we need we need him to sniff the end zone, but the opportunities are there. They're throwing the ball to him in the red zone. They're throwing the ball to him in the ten yard line. He did get a goal line carry yesterday. Here, here's the other thing I will say for Algier. Actually, I want to spit for a minute. Hold up, hold up. Let's pull the reins bike a little bit. I want to talk about like week one and week two, just in terms of how we react to players when it comes to fantasy football. Uh, I think it's human nature that we weigh we we go into the season. I think we weigh the performances of week one two times, if not three times, more heavily than we do with week two, okay? Because we have so much, like, pent-up emotion going into the year. We prepare all spring, all summer. We're talking about the players, and then we have our first sample size, our first sniff of of what the regular season and what fantasy season is really going to look like, okay? So those performances hit in week one, and our opinions of those players stick with us for, like, two to three times longer than they probably should relative to what happened in week two. So this is like something I try to get across to y'all in the beginning of the year. A lot of the times after week two hits, something I say every, every year. What I would do in your mind is flip the performances of week one and week two of a player and then try to see how you would feel about the player. Like, for instance, DJ Moore, really bad week one. Really good week two. If he had that week two game in week one, We'd be like, DJ Moore is the guy we thought he was. Six for 100. And then he has a down game in week two. We're like, all right, you know what? It it happens. Players have bad games, right? You're thinking about it differently. But because we saw him flop so poorly in week one, we're kind of, it's it's now an uphill battle rather than running downhill, if you know what I mean. And that's the case with dudes like DJ Moore. um, Rashad White was the same way. Christian Kirk. uh, Puka Nakua was just goaded both weeks. So the, the, the point of what I'm saying is like, don't, uh, don't weigh week two more than week one, but don't do the opposite either. And it's much easier to do that. Okay. So if you look at like, if, if a guy threw up um, an RB one game in week one, and then an RB four game in week two, he's probably not either of those things. He's most likely like a, a back end RB two or a high end RB three. And that's how you should consider them for the rest of the year. Right? So if you look at a guy like Rashad white, and let's say you went into the year with Rashad white ranked as like, you're running back 21 or 17, or 24, doesn't really fucking matter, right? Point is, and then in week one, he is the RB38, like he was. Now, in your mind, you having him ranked as RB17, because he had the RB38 week one, do you now think of him as the RB38 going forward? Of course not. Did you believe that he was going to be the RB17 every single week? Is that how you imagine him finishing out the RB17? No, that's also ludicrous, right? We can't predict things when it comes to consistency in fantasy football. So if you have a if you have a strong inkling on a player, obviously we, you know, we put new data information into all of our takes and things recalibrate and they recalculate. Shout out to my TI eighty four. It's been rotting away over here. All the buttons are sticky now. The amount of things I've spilled on here, nothing works. Still fucking works harder than most of you guys, but this shit don't work no more. Um, what the fuck was I saying? Oh. 
if 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 you have a take on a player that you think he's going to be the wide receiver twenty for the season or the rest of the season, one game, good or bad, shouldn't change that because they're going to be inconsistent. If he's going to be the wide receiver twenty at the end of the year, do you know what that comes with? That comes with four top ten performances and four performances outside the top forty. Like that is how fantasy football is. So if you like a dude, if you think he's in a certain spot and you think he's going to perform like the wide receiver fourteen over the course of the year, leave him in your lineup. The good and the bad come with that. You might be dead wrong just in terms of your analysis to begin with, which is a whole nother problem. But understand the sentiment that week one is not more important than week two and vice versa, okay? And also another takeaway. I got a few takeaways, a few takeaways here from week one. Touchdown dependency, especially in week one, is typically so overvalued. And I, I think like Tyler Algier is a great stance on or, or a great example of this. Let me... Uh, Get back into the box score for the Falcons, right? So, Taylor Algier had 15 carries, 75 yards, two touchdowns in week one. And we're all like, oh, shit. Algier is going to be a huge playmaker in this offense and a huge part of fantasy lineups, right? And then he goes 16 for 48 in week two. Doesn't score a touchdown. So, he's borderline unusable. It's important to note, he had more carries in week two than he had in week one. And he had chances to score again. But that's just the way... The ball fumbles. That's just the way the ball bounces. Algier is still, look at those numbers, still still at 16 carries. You know me starting running backs in the NFL this week didn't have 16 carries? Probably like 60% of them, okay? Oh, I got I to gotta shut text messages off. Oh, y'all could see all those fucking, oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay, anyways. Back to Bijan. Back to Tyler Algier. Tyler Algier looks like a buy low to me because it looks like he's going to be a consistent piece of this offense, and he gets on the field when they're inside the 10-yard line. He gets on the field when they're by the goal line. It's very clear to me that like if they're on the one-yard line, Arthur Smith prefers Tyler Algier. Good or bad, I don't care. Like Bijan Robinson is going to – goats are going to goat regardless. But that that's a big takeaway for you. Don't overvalue touchdowns in week one. Don't overvalue performances in week one, good or bad. Try to flip them with the week two performances, and then you'll probably have a more level-headed approach with these players. So good to see Drake London bounce back. Kyle Pitts is just like, he's unplayable at this point. If you have him in Dynasty, you're obviously, you kind of drafted him. He was so young. He was 20 years old when he came to the league, you know, and it would have been nice to see him be productive early on in his career. And I know, again, like 1,000 yards as a rookie, there's no way he can miss. I, I said this like since his rookie year, he had three big games. He had like three games over 10 half PPR fantasy points that year. They were all against like the three worst defenses in the NFL. So Kyle Pitts' thousand yards were not really impressive as a rookie. I get it. He was so young. So like, yes, it was, but I didn't think it was like predictive of him being an elite player in fantasy right away. Okay. So um, Kyle Pitts, yeah, he's not startable right now. Fantasy. He's not startable. And Dynasty are holding on to him on the flip side. AJ Dillon was awful. Um, and again, I think Jordan Love is going to be awesome. Well, all right. I don't. I don't want to say like awesome, like top five, but he is. They the, the Packers have their quarterback. There's no doubt in my mind about it. This offense, the fact that they put up a fight against us was impressive, given the fact that they don't have Christian Watson and Aaron Jones. And that was my thing. Like, they're going to struggle moving the ball because if you look at the week prior, Aaron Jones had multiple explosive plays. Like, you add in a couple explosive plays to their offense, and they're probably winning this game. You don't have that. That becomes problematic. But when they're at full strength, man, when Jaden Reed is the three and Christian Watson is the one, and Aaron Jones has taken off a lot of work from all these guys' plates. Green Bay is going to be moving, man. They are going to be smooth. They're going to be grooving. It's going to be a sexy 
a sexy team down there in green and yellow. And I also like want to say for Arthur Smith, as much as I wanted to absolutely gouge his eyeballs out, this dude was kind of in his bag outside of that fucking goal line move. He's been, look, I mean, 42% play action. 42% play action. He's had our boys in motion pre-snap 75 or 70% of the time, man. Like, if you look at the other teams that are doing shit like that, it ain't the Broncos. It's like, you look at the guys that are doing it, bro. It is, it is like these Kansas City Chiefs teams. That's the same shit. 75% motion. You look at probably the Rams, depending on who they dictate. Like, shift motion, 70%. Play action, 30%. Game one. Like, these are the teams, the Vikings, the ones struggling. Like, the teams that are moving and grooving and they got the players in motion pre-snap typically give their weapons the easiest um, matchups in play, man. So, I'm loving what I'm seeing out of Atlanta. I, I know we're, I know we're going to be in some battles with better teams. We're playing Detroit next week, which should be a fire matchup. But Bijan just makes the game so fun, man. Bijan just makes football Sundays so fucking enjoyable. It's like when he comes off the field, I get sad. I get sad. I get little like sad jolts. And then he comes back on and I'm like, you know, I'd be doing weird shit like that. And I hope no one notices. Let's move on to the Raiders and the Bills. This was just a schlacking. Uh, the Bills bounce back. I was a little bit nervous about the bounce. Like, I don't love bounce back storylines. I feel like a lot of times it doesn't doesn't happen. It's like, oh, they have, they're due. They have to bounce back. This was one of the few instances this weekend that it actually happened. Josh Allen went crazy. James Cook went crazy. Um, James Cook, the I think the only real takeaway here is, the, I mean, the guy goes for, what, 160 total yards, 17 carries, so he finally uh, went above that 14 carry mark so we could stop citing that statistic in any James Cook analysis. Never getting goal line work. He is behind Damian Harris. He's behind Latavius Murray. He's behind Josh Allen. He is still yet to see. Here's the big takeaway here with James Cook. He's going to have games like this. I actually think his floor is nice. I think his floor is like 60 to 70 yards, probably three to four catches. He is yet in his career to have a carry inside the five-yard line. They are just very, very, very adamant about how they want to use him. He's the best running back they have. One of the better players on offense they have. But there's a very valuable part of the field for fantasy that we're just not going to get Cook cooking. All right? He's still still probably like a top 20 guy for me, fantasy-wise. He still should be in your lineup because he'll get in on the red zone. And if they run some like swing plays to him, he was open on some swing plays in the red zone. Uh, he will score like four to five touchdowns this year. So if you, have your, if you have him in your lineup those weeks, you'll have a big week. But otherwise, I think his floor, surprisingly, is actually still pretty good. Raiders. Okay, so... Jacoby Myers basically died last week, had a concussion, missed this game. He's still in the concussion protocol. Devontae Adams, I believe he suffered a concussion too. And then I saw like a quote from Josh McDaniels saying Devontae Adams is good. I don't know if that just meant like regular, normal life human being health or if he's like, if, if that was just a concussion scare. I don't think that's the case. Uh, if a player is put into the concussion protocol, if a player suffers a concussion, not put into the protocol, but actually is concussed, the likelihood of him playing the following week is usually from 35 to 40%. So if you got a dude on your team that suffered an in-game concussion this weekend, he is more likely than not not playing next week. So if Adams was concussed, there is a higher than 50% chance he is not playing next week. doesn't mean he can't play. It might happen. He might breeze through the concussion protocol. But the NFL has made their rules stricter as the years have gone by about players returning too quickly from concussions. And this was one of their steps. So Adams might be out next week. 
if that's the case and Jacoby's back, obviously Jacoby pretty much becomes a must start. Uh, but this this Raiders offense is tremendously not good. Tremendously unwell. Josh Jacobs, nine carries for negative two yards. I am I am a hundred percent concerned about him. For sure. I mean, if you're in full PPR, he'll probably eat while these wide receivers are dealing with their brain stuff. But Jacobs on the ground is just it's not working. Their offensive line is not their offensive line is not lining. It's not great. And uh I'm 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 a little bit worried about Josh Jacobs. Ravens Bengals. Lamar Jackson played a, a really, really good game. The team overall was very well rounded. There was no one more than five receptions. There was like six guys with three or more receptions. One of the big points I made going into this week was I like Justice Hill over Gus Edwards. And I think there's points to be made for and against it. Let's look at the um, Ravens backfield for a minute. Justice Hill played in every aspect pretty much over Gus Edwards. So Justice Hill outsnapped him 54 to 46, had more rush attempts. He ran far more routes, actually got targeted. Again, Gus Edwards has not caught a pass in the regular season since uh, 2020. Short down and distance, even Justice Hill led that. Uh, long down and distance, Justice Hill. Two-minute and four-minute drill, Justice Hill. So Gus Edwards came away with the touchdown. That was after, though. That was after Justice Hill. And this is running back momentum is so fucking important, dude. The 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 longer I've been in this game, the more you realize, like, how small that window is for running back success in the NFL. It's really wild. Unless you're, like, a first-round rookie, you really have such slight opportunity to become the guy and really do your thing. And I, I genuinely believe, like, okay, so Justice Hill was, I, I think by halftime, he was out-touching uh, Gus Edwards 9-3 to three or something like that. They got into the goal line. The first goal line carry went to Justice Hill. He got stuffed. The next one went to Gus Edwards. He got in. And then a lot of the second half was Gus Edwards over Justice Hill. Take that as you want. Uh, Hill is still playing more. It's really hard to imagine any of these guys being like real fantasy assets that you're comfortable with. I think um, with Cam Akers probably being on the move soon, Ravens would be a landing spot that would make some sense if they want to give up like a fourth or fifth round pick for him. Actually, I don't even think they'd have to give up a fourth round pick, probably a fifth or sixth round pick to get Cam Akers at this point. And I also don't even know if Cam Akers is really that good, I guess. He might just stink. So would he even play over these guys? I don't know. Uh, as it relates to the receivers, Odell Beckham left with an ankle injury, not supposed to be serious, but again, he was never a serious fantasy option for serious fantasy players. All you fucking jokesters out here were dialing up and fucking drafting Odell Beckham. This is what you get. You deserve that shit. Mark Andrews was back. Good to see. Five for 45 and a tug action. Zay Flowers ended up being okay here, four for 62, but like almost all of it came on a huge shot down the field. Great catch, so you love to see it. But this offense is very, very spread around. Good to see Lamar Jackson back with like 12 carries here, getting getting it done in the run game. On the flip side, not good. The Bengals are 0-2. They started 0-2 last year. They started 0-2 last year. This year feels different because Burrow re-aggravated his calf. There's no guarantee he misses any time. Ah. Uh, ah. Uh, I don't feel great about him playing next week. I don't feel great about him playing next week. Let's see who they're playing against. They're playing the Rams. The Rams are fucking... The, you want to talk about a team... You want to talk about a team 
I guarantee you, you walk into the Rams locker room right now, you want to know what it says on the whiteboard? It says this. This is what that shit says. Dial in. If you walk by McVay right now, you know what he's doing? He's giving you one of these. He's giving you the hand digits. Dial in. That team is fucking dialed. Holy shit. I I'm actually excited to talk about them. I don't know how far down the list they are, but they're coming. They're coming. The Bengals are not coming right now. Pause. Joe Burrow reaggravated the calf. This is a problem. This is a problem, and he can't throw the fucking ball. No one can catch the ball besides T. Higgins. Jamar Chase, it's not good. There are obviously better days ahead, but better days are not coming until Joe Burrow gets healthy. That's not going to be overnight. That probably won't be for a couple weeks, if not more than that, man. So I don't I don't really I don't want to overreact because the Bengals are such a good team and they're so well rounded and they're as good as any team in the league on any given Sunday. But right now, based on the Burrow calf situation, they could they could end up being one and three, one and four, oh and four. It doesn't matter how good of a team you are in the NFL. You start with that kind of start, the likelihood of you making that run into the playoffs, especially given the fact that the Bengals are in outside of the NFC South, who are now, I guess, the goaded division. We got everybody's fucking undefeated over here. Nobody loses games except for the washed up Panthers. The Bengals in the AFC North, like the Bengals, the Ravens, the Browns and the Steelers, every one of those teams is good. The worst team you might say is the Steelers. The Bengals could easily lose lose them on any given Sunday. They can go on two against them on the year. Like the the and they've played two divisional opponents. So it climbing that tree is even fucking higher now. All right. So I'm just saying, we definitely should be a little bit nervous. We should be nervous. And if you got Joe Burrow, if you got Joe Burrow, you should be looking for uh another QB in case he misses time, which I think happens. And if Joe Burrow's not playing, I don't even know who their backup QB is. Let's check it out. Their backup quarterback is Jake Browning. That doesn't sound fun. He's an undrafted 27-year-old out of Washington. I don't think we need to waste our time on this page uh, for it to let us know that. That's not good for Chase. That's not good for T. That's not good for anybody. They're going to move down significantly if Burrow's not playing. Chase ends up being a low-end wide receiver, too, if that. T. Higgins probably a little bit below. So, yeah, not great out there in Cincy. Seahawks-Detroit, what a fucking game, man. I, I thought Detroit was going to – I took Detroit minus four and a half. Wasn't good. Wasn't great. There's some, there's some injury news here. There's some non-injury news here. Uh, Geno played fucking fantastic, man. The fact that his, half of his offensive line was dead – uh, he 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 showed some sheet here. He sh he showed it. He showed why he got that extension. DK was about half a yard shy of um, getting into the end zone here and having a monster day. He ends up still with a good day. He left for a part of the game too with a rib injury on the hit that stopped him at the half yard line. So it could have been an even bigger day. Tyler Lockett, nice bounce back, had a great day. JSN, I'm gonna be honest with you, he's kind of unstartable in fantasy right now. I think with a lot of these rookies, and we'll learn this, right? As as a lot of you guys get more and more acclimated into like best ball and underdog as you do those throughout the season, you'll understand that people, for the most part, draft in those formats just based on upside. 
based on upside and second half of the year blowouts because the playoffs, weeks 14, 15, 16, 17, on underdog is where like the money is made. So it's really important not to conflate what a player is going to do for season long. If you don't, if you have a rookie wide receiver running 50% of the routes for half the season, he's kind of unusable. He could have a great second half, but he's not worth like by the time the end of August, early September came around on underdog, JSN was like the 5'10, the 5'9. It wasn't even close. Him and Lockett were like two fucking rounds apart. It was insane. But let's look at the snap counts. Let's, let's look at the split here. And and he's probably boosted up just because DK left. Yeah, so DK dropped about 11% of his routes because he got hurt and left. But them two are both at 90% when JSN is 66, 62%. This is where he's going to hover for a while. Like these dudes are not scrubs, man. Metcalf and Lockett are all, all fucking world players. And it's and, and I'm sure JSN will have his days, but it's hard to rely on him right now as anything more than like a deep flex play cuz he'll he'll put up a lot of a lot of plays like this. Uh Kenneth Walker still not getting it done on the ground, but not his fault. The offensive line, I, I heard a stat I think today that was like he had 43 rushing yards. 42 of those yards came after contact. So he was hit every single play at the line of scrimmage. Um, so he's getting the work still. I think the better days will come in terms of efficiency, so I'm not too worried about him. On the flip side, David Montgomery. So I, I don't know if we've gotten an update here. Let me see if we've gotten any more clarity on what the fuck's going on. Okay, so I, I've I've seen I've seen this um, this quote thrown around. Okay, so we got one an hour. We got one an hour ago, and that's what I was gonna say. So basically, like when he went down, his shit was like twisted up. His leg was twisted up, and it looked like it was like a sprained MCL or some shit. Like he sprained his knee. We were told it was a, a thigh bruise, though. It was a uh, a thigh or a quad bruise. And then he came out after the game, and he said he told reporters. It would take a couple of weeks for his quad injury to heal. Now, what I heard for the rest of the time was that, like, he's out for the next couple of weeks. That is not what he said. And I don't know why everyone ran with that. He told reporters it would take a couple of weeks for his quad injury to heal. That Just because a player needs something to heal does not mean they're going to be out. And now we're seeing uh, from Campbell, David Montgomery, thigh considered day-to-day. So maybe he misses a week, but I I, I feel like he's probably going to tough, tough it through. Uh, that so the the couple weeks him being out I don't think had any merit other other than him like saying it's going to take some time to heal doesn't mean he's not going to play on it though these are NFL these are fucking soldiers now the other storyline here of course is um, Jameer Gibbs so there there's just been no rhyme or reason as to why we should expect Jameer Gibbs's rushing workload to go up but we did see him lead the team in targets which was kind of crazy so he got nine targets in this one caught seven for thirty nine. But even when David Montgomery went out, the rushing the rushing stuff did not go to Gibbs. They brought in Craig fucking Reynolds' NPC name ass to take carries. Um, let me see. There was a, I think it was from Dwayne. He tweeted something good out about, all right, here, here you go. Uh, Jameer Gibbs didn't get a big bump in rushing after David Montgomery left, but route participation surged to 67%. Gibbs can deliver on 30-40% of attempts and 60% or better route participation. His 35% targets per route in 2023 is elite. High-end RB2 until Monty returns. Again, I I don't know if Monty's going to miss any time whatsoever. Um, 
that being said, yeah, the, the the involvement in the passing game is great to see. Nine catches or nine targets, seven catches, thirty nine. I just still uh, like Gibbs work on the goal line probably not going to happen. Gibbs carry totals. I mean, they've just told us what they want to do. They've just Dan Campbell's told us in every single game since he's been the Lions head coach, and also pouring into this year. And again, I get it. Like. Second half of the year, Gibbs could for sure be that dude and go crazy with it. But I think they have a very specific style of football they're trying to play here, and I don't think they're going to break the game plan so Jameer Gibbs can go crazy in fantasy football. He's still fine. Like, he's still startable for sure, but, like, ranking him inside the top 12 or 15 running backs is just fucking wildly irresponsible at this point. Chargers, Titans, and again, I come on here and tell you that Justin Herbert, overrated. They just can't get it done when it needs to get done. Okay, they just cannot get it done when it needs to get. miss me with the 300 yards. You know how many fucking quarterbacks threw for 300 yards? I don't care. I don't care. Get it done. Get it done. You know who didn't get it done? Josh Kelly. I'm getting a lot of heat. I'm taking on a lot of heat. It's like our air conditioning's fucking broken again, which I think it is, to be honest. Um. Okay, so the live stream yesterday, the title was like Josh Kelly's about to light up week two. But if you listen to the first 10 minutes of the podcast, I laid out the pros and the cons for it. And this is this is something I'm kind of pissed at myself for. As I'm talking through it, I'm like, okay, they're going against the Titans. Titans are elite run D. There's not a difference between Josh Kelly and Jamal Williams. They're kind of the same player at this point in their career. And I started, like, cooling myself down as I was talking about it. And I think the end result was I think he's likely to finish between, like, 45 and 65 yards. That was what I said. Like, quote-unquote, everything I said was in there. You can go watch the video from yesterday. I think he's likely to finish between 45 65 yards. So I was close to that. But I thought the touchdown upside was going to be higher. I'm pretty sure he got some goal line carries too. So, like, very much could have been there. I think the problem was I kept telling people uh, to sit other players for Josh Kelly, which I probably shouldn't have done. So I apologize for that. But everything I fucking said about him was clear-minded. It was non-political. So, shh. Yeah, it was bad. But the, uh, the Tennessee Titans run defense is so fucking good, dude. It's and here's another takeaway too it's like running backs they're backups for when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping Kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over $600 each week you can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time Kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. reason running backs are backup running backs are backups for a reason and as much as the nfl has thrown into your mind that running backs don't matter replaceability is is a non-issue with running backs in the real world they matter in fantasy football there's a reason austin eckler is that dude and josh kelly is not that dude that being said i still feel really good about owning josh kelly because he is still very clearly the running back too to pair with eckler and in better matchups he's going to produce and he's going to get goal line work and he's going to be fine I don't see that much of a difference between him and Tyler Algier, to be completely honest with you. 
Um, so despite the really, really bad day here, probably should have been more predictable given the fact that we really wanted nothing to do with Jamal Williams the week before against Titans defense and their similar players. So Keenan did his thing. Mike Williams did his thing. Quentin Johnson is just in the fucking nether realm at this point. He's unstarable. And in redraft leagues, he's probably droppable too. Hopefully Eckler is back next week. Tennessee, good to see Traylon Burks getting involved. D-Hop was obviously limited a little bit with the ankle, 4 for 40, whatever. D-Henry did his thing as well. If you're a D-Henry owner and Tajay Spears is available on the wire, I, I can't really imagine that he is. Um, I'll check out all the numbers, and I will talk about him or more waiver wire guys in depth in tomorrow's video. So week two, waiver wire, tomorrow, probably around 11 a.m. noon Eastern time. Make sure you're subscribed to the channel and you got notifications turned on for when that drops and if also, if you're a if you're a podcast listener, like I consume all my content via audio, big podcast person, uh, we are also just on all the podcast platforms. If you just search BDGE Fantasy Football, you'll be able to find me yelling there. Bears Bucks. Oh God. Um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't look good in Chicago. Justin Fields doesn't look good. I will say he has the he has been pressured the second most among any quarterback thus far. The offensive line does not feel like it's gotten any better whatsoever. He took six sacks yesterday, some his fault, a lot the offensive line's fault, but he just takes a long time to process things. I, um, it's it, For me, it's just kind of wait and see on fields, man. I, I There's there's not much you could do. Their, their offensive line is kind of banged up. They clearly still need more talent on the offensive line. But he has his own share of problems there. I don't think anyone in the backfield is startable at this point. I think the only startable player is DJ Moore, realistically. Um, Darnell Mooney bruised his knee or something, but apparently it's not too serious. On the flip side, the Bucks were very fucking serious. Mike Evans is out here eating. One of my bold predictions going into the year was that both Evans and Godwin will hit 1,000 yards this year. Uh, Baker Mayfield is out here playing ball, leaving his goddamn life out on the line. I'm not like we're we're Baker's going to have one bad game very, very soon. And then everyone's going to be uh, saying that he sucks again. So I'll, let's just everybody relax. But he looks he's looked great for them. He's, he's been a great like fill in for them against teams like the Chicago Bears. Rashad White had his bounce back. He was another one. He's getting so much usage, man. Like he's another guy that when you look at the usage rates, when you look at like how they're actually using these players, Rashad White. 75, 80% of snaps. Uh, Chase, Edmond, Chase Edmonds also, f I think, fucked his knee up, so he's going to be out for a minute. He's getting a lot of the rush attempts. He's running 70% of the routes. He's getting targeted, short down and distance, inside the 15 attempts, long down and distance, 100% of the two- and four-minute drills. So Rashad White might not be talented whatsoever, but he's still getting a ton of run. And in games where the Bucks lead and kind of, like, dominate game script, where that won't be often. Like, they play the Eagles. They're not going to do that. The Saints, I think they're probably an even matchup. You know, it won't happen often, but in those types of games, Rashad White's a, a good start. 17 carries, 73 on the uh, on the ground, and uh, caught five passes for 30 yards. So that's kind of sexy there. Chris Godwin's been super fucking disappointing. I thought he was going to kind of bust off this year a little bit, but he literally just goes five for 55 every single game. Five, 55, 55, 55, 55, 55 catch, 55 burgers, 55 yards. Do we have any updates? Let's see. Anthony Richardson in the conk protocol. We already done, done knew that. Mm, mm, mm. Um, sorry, what was I saying? Chiefs, Jags. 
not not much to take away. I actually kind of think Isaiah Pacheco is a little bit of a buy low here. Mahomes got back to being Mahomes. Travis Kelsey was on a snap count, still ended up getting to the end zone. I was looking at some uh, some tight end numbers here, and uh, where was it? Tight end. Can we go all NFL? There we go. Yeah. So <clears throat> Travis Kelsey, fifty eight percent of the routes, but. <laughs> He is leading the NFL already in targets per route run, and he only saw 67% catchable target rate. So Kelsey's fine. Kelsey's you're not gonna be able to buy him low because he's Travis fucking Kelsey, but but it but if you could, you should. Uh, Sky Moore three for 70 had a big game, uh, had a big play on kind of like a broken coverage down the sideline. I'm not putting too much stock into it, but this was one of those things where um, I, I I told people to kind of hold on to him for one more week. You obviously didn't play him this week, but. I think I think Moore will kind of come into his own. I don't think he's going to be a top fifteen wide receiver anytime soon, but I think he could probably be a top thirty six guy rest of season, top forty maybe, which is not unusable during bye weeks and things like that. Especially if this offense starts clicking a little bit more. Chris Jones was one hundred percent the difference in this game. Whatever they paid him, I don't know what an NFL owner would value the win of one week, like one win. But whatever it was, they paid Chris Jones directly for it. Put it right into his pocket. Pacheco's getting healthier, too, and I think he's going to continue to control the backfield. I mean, 12 carries for Pacheco, one for Clyde, one for Jarek McKinnon. On the flip side, bad game all around for pretty much everyone in Jacksonville except for Christian Kirk, another one where, like, there's no reason. Everyone was, like, going nuts about how Christian Kirk's never going to play in three wide receiver sets again or two wide receiver sets again. He ran, like, 85% of the routes. Relax. He was just, like, an 1,100-yard receiver. He's a good receiver. They're going to fucking use him. Uh, big takeaway here, if you didn't watch this game, the, the Jaguars were pretty much – about three inches away, like a total of three inches away from 21 more points. Zay Jones missed two touchdowns by about an inch, which is why you should buy the shit out of him now. Six targets, should have had two touchdowns, attached to one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Calvin Ridley missed a touchdown by about an inch. I'm telling you, they were three inches away from three more touchdowns. Three inches for the rest of our life. So I'm not, I'm not worried about Jacksonville. Colts, Houston, so... Uh, same thing I said with the concussions before. A. Rich was on fucking fire. He would have had he he might have had ninety two fantasy points this game. He left the game with a concussion again. Sixty uh, percent likelihood that he misses next week's game. So have an alternative plan. Gardner Minshew should not be your alternative plan. Although he played really well in this one. Zach Moss. I, I'm a fucking idiot. Why is Zach Moss like viewed viewed as like the savior of the city out there in Indianapolis? It was like they were getting Jonathan Taylor. The way that this motherfucker been tweeted about all week was like Zach Moss is coming back to just control the backfield. They weren't wrong. I just don't understand it. It doesn't make fucking sense. It's Zach Moss. They really acted as if it was Jonathan Taylor. And he played like Jonathan Taylor. 18 for 88, one touchdown. Guy got every... There wasn't another running back touch. There was not another touch going to a running back. 18 carries... Four fucking catches makes me sick. Zach Moss makes me feel like I just ate Moss, a handful of Moss. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I will say, like, Kylan Granson, three for 16 and a touchdown. I don't remember where I heard it, but he was, like, tight end 13 last week, tight end eight this week, or vice versa, one of the two. But he keeps kind of doing his thing. Although, again, like, Will Mallory's a tight end. They, well, yeah, just I'll, I'll shut the fuck up. Forget I said that. CJ Stroud looked awesome. I want to say one thing. I want to say one thing. I, you guys haven't even let me talk yet. You guys haven't let me say anything yet. So let me say one thing. I've been on here for 50 minutes and you guys are not letting me say anything. Show some respect. 
The Houston Texans, right now, everyone can get mad about Damian Pierce, and everyone can get mad about C.J. Stroud, although C.J. Stroud looked great. No one's actually getting mad about him. The Houston Texans are playing without four starting offensive linemen, as well as multiple backups, okay? Laramie Tunsil was out for this game. Titus Howard is out. Juice Scruggs. Kenyon Green and Scott Questenberry. They might not even be good, but they're on season-ending IR, okay? They never had a chance. Damian Pierce never had a chance. He's not running any routes. He's only running like 35% of the routes on, on CJ Stroud dropbacks, but he just like there's nothing that man can do. They have no offensive line. They are just they are just signing dudes that walk by the facility. They're like, you, you, you look fat? Get in the facility. Get in the weight room. Get in the squat rack. It's out of control. So yeah, I'm fucking worried about Damian Pierce, long story short, because their offensive line is a mess. And CJ Stroud can, I mean, dude almost threw for 400 yards, but he got sacked six times. You're playing defenses against the Houston Texans. Nico Collins balled out seven for 146 and a touchdown. He feels like, I, there, Nico Collins is one of those dudes where I just never feel comfortable with him, but like he just keeps proving everyone wrong over and over and over again. His last like six games, his target numbers have been crazy. Nine is like his average. He's averaging about nine targets. Robert Woods is getting a fuck ton of targets too. I had a lot of late round Robert Woods in best ball for absolutely no reason. And what's kind of sickening is that like these games, these will probably be some of the best games of his season. Nine targets, six catches, 74 yards. That probably doesn't even crack my best ball lineup, which is kind of sad. Um, but yeah, Nico Collins is like getting up there to to where you, you probably almost need to have him in your lineup because Houston just, they just trail so big so early and just need, like CJ Stroud almost had 50 pass attempts. Someone fucking chill, daddy. San Fran, San Fran. All right, let's talk about, let's talk about dialing this shit in. McVay, McVay has this team on a, McVay heard the noise this offseason. He heard me. He heard everybody that the Rams offensive line was going to stink, that they have nobody besides Stafford and Cup, and Stafford is broken. Their backfield stinks. Their receivers stink. Their defense smells. That was all everybody heard all offseason. And good God, does Sean McVay have the Rams competing, man. Let's start with San Fran first. Purdy, not a great day at the office. Did get in for a rushing score, so like, eh. But I will say say a couple things, right? When I was watching the game yesterday with Purdy, he missed on like three – balls downfield that were like just over the catch radius of his receivers that probably would have tacked on like an extra 150 passing and like two touchdowns. So I'm like, all right, maybe that's kind of like Brock Purdy um, coming to fruition. You know what I mean? And then I saw a stat somewhere that I favored it. Did I put it in the bookmarks? Give me a second to try to find it. But it, it, it's a stat about his accuracy over the intermediate parts of the field. Yes. Okay. So this first one right here. Brock Purdy was 5 for 8 on throws, 10 plus yards downfield yesterday, including 4 for 4 on throws in the 10 to 19 yard range. So that means he was 1 for 4 on throws that are 20 yards or downfield. Those are the ones he missed. They weren't particularly close, but if he connects on those, I mean, his days are going to be monster. But if you look at the rest of the tweet, through the first two weeks, he has completed 13 of 14 passes in the intermediate range. 92.8%. Last year, he finished at 80.4%, by far the best season 
since PFF began tracking the stats. Like, people overestimate arm strength and overestimate, like, the ability to throw the ball 40, 50 yards down the field accurately. Sure, it matters. But if you're accurate between 0 and 20 yards, that is where 90% of NFL throws go. 90% of them go, 95% of them probably go within the 0 to 20 range. And Purdy is arguably one of the most accurate in that in that space. Purdy is so here to stay. He's awesome. I love Purdy. Uh, Debo, we knew Debo was kind of a big game. He was like one of my few good calls this week. He always eats against the Rams because they play a lot of zone coverage. Ayuk got kind of like banged up like six times in this game, so I'm kind of going to uh, write that off because he got hurt, and then he was like shaking up, and he also was overthrown on on one Purdy thing. Well, I'm not worried about Purdy. No one's fucking worried about Ayuk, whatever. Uh, the Rams. Okay, so a lot to talk about here. Stafford, very much not dead. Kyron Williams, good God. This dude saw 97% of the snaps in the backfield. Cam Akers, a healthy scratch. I don't know what's going on with Cam Akers, but they probably, they clearly got some personal issues going on. He's not going to be on the team any longer. There's no way they run this back a year uh, a year later with the same result, and he comes back to the team. They just don't want him as part of the locker room. They don't want him as part of the, uh, the culture there. So he's gone. Kyron Williams looks phenomenal. And I was looking back at my waiver wire video last week, and I wasn't high enough on him, and – it pissed me off because, like, as the week went on, I got higher and higher on him, and I started to feel super comfortable with him, even against the Niners or just like owning him on the team. And I hate that I had that on record that I didn't that I, that I wasn't a huge fan of him because he seems to be like the fucking problem solver here in LA. He is he is running routes, he is pass blocking, and despite his size, he was always a great pass blocker, even going back to his days at Notre Dame. So Kyron Williams feels like he is here to stay. Puka, without a doubt, obviously here to stay. I I. It's so weird. Like, you can never predict a player going for 15-150, but it felt like it was going to happen. If Like, you just kind of knew that we we're about to see uh, a Jeremy Lin-type run out of Puka here. And I will say, too, like, he, I, I tweeted this out. Hold on. Let me, let me pull up a poll that I put out this morning. I think this is an inf- interesting conversation to have. <clears throat> so I said, what number of wide receivers in the NFL, if placed into the role Puka, uh, has now in McVay's system, assuming Cooper Cup is out, are able to put up the numbers that Puka is. So I don't, I don't think like anyone's out there saying that Puka is like the the best route runner in the NFL, or he's at, the, or that that he's the best separator. And I don't think anyone thought of that about Cooper Cup either, to be quite frank with you. But in McVay's system, the amount of separation that you get in zone coverage and just amongst the gaps in the defense, it, it's borderline systematized, and we're seeing it. There's no way that Cooper Cup goes for two thousand, and then Puka just becomes Puka playing the exact same role as Cooper Cup did, just starts doing the same thing. You just hit the lotto, the, the two greatest wide receivers ever back-to-back, and they just happen to plug and play in the same exact position in the same exact time on earth after Christ, BC, AC. No fucking chance. This is what you call it systematized, okay? They're good players. They're great players. But I would say, if I asked you that question, if how many receivers in the NFL, if put into Puka's position, would be able to put up the numbers he is, the targets and stuff, the way I would look at it is anyone that's a really good route runner, separator, would be able to do what he's doing. And then anyone who's really good against zone by itself can do it as well. There are a lot of players who excel against zone, but can't really separate that well against man. Like Debo is one of them, even Cooper cup Juju when he was younger, like those types of players do really well. So I start thinking like, I start thinking like 25% of people think only one to 10 players in the NFL would be able to do what Puka's doing. There's two guys on the Rams right now that are doing it. Cooper cup did it. Uh, fucking Tutu Atwell. I'm pretty sure if you gave him that role, could probably do it as well. 
I started looking around the NFC West, but I'm, I'm going division by division to see what number I land at. And in my mind, I think it's closer to like 35 than it is five overall, right? Because it's like, all right, NFC West, let's start with, like I said, the Rams. I think like Tutu might be able to put near identical numbers if he had the role that Puka had. He doesn't, obviously, but he's still doing good, and we'll talk about him in a second. But you look at like Seahawks, Lockett, Metcalf, JSN was like built for that fucking role. He would be dynamite there. Uh, look at San Fran. Ayuk would be able to do it. Debo would be able to do it. Like I'm just I'm just listing off players. I, I think you're probably close to like 30 to 35 guys. I don't want to take anything away from Puka. Like he's a fucking animal. This is all just to say that I think it's predictable that I don't think Puka's fucking going anywhere. But I I I think we're gonna continue to see 10 to 12 target games from Puka and him continuing to absolutely eat. And he's a must start every single week going forward. What happens when Cooper Cup comes back? I think they both fucking eat, honestly. I think we'll see something similar to like um Cup is Cup, Puka is Robert Woods. And Tutu Atwell is Brandon Cooks. Tutu Atwell, man, he he absolutely shit on me too. Uh, seven for seventy-seven. This dude is separating like fucking hell. He is now putting up production in back-to-back weeks. I thought he was kind of fluky. Van Jefferson absolutely stinks. We already knew that, but Tutu's the real deal as well. He he absolutely needs to be owned if he's available on your waiver wire. Kyron Williams, man, fourteen for fifty-two. Another tug catches six passes for forty-eight yards. So he goes for twenty touches. That what a beautiful stat line. 20 touches, 100 yards, and two touchdowns. Good Lord. He had 10 targets? Wait, what? What the hell? Puka 20. I knew that. I didn't realize Kyron Williams had 10 fucking targets. Holy ball sacks. That's wild. That's wild, man. I want to talk about another wild game, but goddamn Giants, man. down Almost down 40 to nothing again. They come back and win. Uh, I think there are two takeaways here for me. Saquon obviously has the ankle injury, which is... Uh, Definitely pretty serious. Um, I this this from everything I've read and seen, this looks like uh, a high ankle sprain, and we've seen Saquon deal with that, and it's not pretty. So Saquon, it's it sucks. If you own Saquon, you're kind of fucked. I, I'll just leave it at that. Jalen Hyatt needs to start playing more. That that's, it's as simple as that. He looked great in this game. They keep hitting him downfield for plays. Uh, can we get like a snap count on this shit? Because we got it. We got to petition him to get higher higher snap counts. Jalen Hyatt ran 27% of the routes. We have Campbell at 75. We have Slayton at 82. We have Hodgins at 73. Dude, why are we fucking wasting our time with Paris Campbell's 3.33 average dot ass fucking... What are we doing, Dayball? You're supposed to be the savior. Supposed to be a king. You're getting smoked by the Arizona Cardinals. Let Jalen Hyatt rip, dude. Dude looks good. If I'm in a deeper league, I'm picking up Hyatt. I'm picking up Hyatt, seeing if he gets more playtime going forward without Saquon. Pick up free agency-wise, like, I feel like it's going to be a split between Matt Breda and Gary Brightwell. It's just not, just not, uh, it's just not where I want to be. It's just not where I want my fantasy team to be. I'm not really spending any fab on either of those two. On the flip side, Michael Wilson, the GOAT, led the team in receiving, or he tied Zach Ertz, I guess. Zach Ertz now has like 8,000 targets. He's another tight end that you could actually play because they're just feeding him and feeding him and feeding him for no reason. Uh, James Conner had a vintage James Conner day, which was cool, I guess, but the Giants defense is just tremendously bad. They're so bad. I thought they were going to be kind of good for some reason. I'm not sure why I had that notion in my head, but I need to get it out quick. 
Jets Cowboys storyline of this one is um yeah, it's not good. Zach Wilson first full game as the starter. I mean, this was this felt this felt a little bit predictable. He had the one slant that Garrett Wilson took to the cribbo, 68 yards. Other than that, they got absolutely nothing going on offense. Three interceptions, sacked three times. Running backs, Caprice Hall is complaining about the four carries he got, but you know, Dalvin Cook had four. They were down by like 50 fucking points right away. There's just there was just no there was just no way you were getting the ground game going, and the Dallas defense is just too fucking good. So Wilson going forward for me is like He's just he's simply too talented and, and they'll get way better matchups. So I'm not like over I'm, if if you change your mindset to the fact that you know that Zach Wilson is our quarterback, then I'm not overly concerned about Garrett Wilson going forward in terms of where where your mind should be. Like I'm I, I still think he's a top twenty four fantasy wide receiver because when they're not playing Dallas, they'll have much better days. But obviously going from a top ten receiver down to twenty four is not what you want to hear necessarily. Uh Brees Hall, Dal- Dalvin Cook stinks, dude. He is he is old. Brees Hall uh, will have more work eventually again, but you kind of just got to throw this tape out and move forward. Dallas, Tony Pollard had fucking 32 touches, career high, eight targets. Dude is just eating. He's getting all the goal line carries. Like it is, it is, uh, Tony Pollard's going to finish as a, a top zero fantasy running back this year. Brandon Cooks was out with a knee injury. CD Lamb, eight. No one else you could really start here. Commanders Broncos, Sam Howell had a nice bounce back game. Brian Robinson, who was on our must draft list in our draft guide, has completely just phased Antonio Gibson out. Brian Robinson's looked fucking fantastic, man. B-Rob has looked great. Back to back 20 touch games. Since Antonio Gibson fumbled in week one, the touch discrepancy has been 35 to 5 in favor of Brian Robinson. And B-Rob's catching passes, three targets, two catches, 42 yards. Both of his catches went for 21 yards. Like he's looking explosive. Gibson offers nothing on the ground. Uh, so Gibson is, I mean, uh, Robinson is is pretty much a surefire RB2 week in and week out going forward. I feel really good about the volume that he's getting. And uh, in the receiving game, just a huge letdown. You tell me that Howell throws for 300 yards and Dawson puts up 22. Makes me sick. No one had more than 54 yards. Terry's still working his way back from the turf toe, I think. He's got to be he's got to be close to uh, close to 100%, I'd imagine. One one sneaky sneaky little little takeaway here and, and one thing I will say, especially if you're in a dynasty league, hear me out. Hear me out. Logan Thomas, Logan Thomas leaves the game with a concussion. So he's likely out next week. John Bates led tight ends in receiving. But I've had my eye on Cole Turner for a second. I think he's a good player. And then I start looking at the stats. I know it's extremely limited. I know, I know we are we are reaching here, but I'm looking at oh, targets per route run. Cool. Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, Josh Oliver, you know, only fucking ran like six routes and his average depth of targets two point three. Cole Turner's right there, man. When he's playing, he is getting targeted at a very, very high rate. And he hasn't been playing because he's behind Logan Thomas. But if Logan Thomas is out, sneaky, sneaky ad in Dynasty League, especially them tight end premiums. Cole Turner, all aboard. Um, the, the throwing the ball around like this, I've listened to a lot of stuff this morning, a lot of content this morning, a lot of it's pointing to Eric B being the guy behind this offense now and how they did things in Kansas city. And I, I kind of buy that, but like also Kansas city, like really didn't do that when Tyree kill and Travis Kelsey were there. So I get that you're saying that after the two games that they just had while Eric B was not a part of that, 
And yes, like Mahomes does spread the ball around, but for the most part, his best players get the ball a lot. Travis Kelsey gets like 12 targets a game. Tari Kill, when he was there, got a shitload of targets too. So maybe it's the enemy. Maybe it's just, it is what it is, you know? Russ, Russ, his stats were good, but he kind of had a bad day, to be honest. I mean, he took seven fucking sacks in this one. Seven sacks. The Washington front seven is spoicy. Uh, ran the ball well, though. Six for 56. Nothing really going on in the backfield. And again, this is like, I I just don't have a lot of confidence in this backfield. I, I don't want to start Javante Williams. I don't want to start Samaja P. Ryan. They're, they're splitting touches, kind of. Javante's getting more, but he's not showing any explosion. Like, it's cool that he's back from the ACL, and it's cool that he's getting carries, but I, I, I'm starting to wonder. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm starting to wonder if that one huge game he had as a rookie is skewing the fuck out of the way we see him. This game right here at Kansas City when he went for 178 total yards. He has been really fucking mediocre ever since that game. Yeah, good game against Dallas here too, I suppose. But, like, I don't know, dude. Have we just been overrating Javante Williams? I don't want to jump to conclusions because, again, he's right back from the ACL tear, so I'm sure he'll be way better next year. But I don't know, man. I don't know, man. What is this shit? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are we doing? Um, one of the more obscure, I'll, I'll say two things for the receiving group. Uh, Jerry Judy was back at full, full route participation for the most part. He ran, I think 80%, 90% of the snaps for the Broncos. So if you've been holding on to Jerry Judy, you got him back for the time being. And I, I want to make a point on that though. He didn't have a big game, obviously, but here you go. He ran a route on 86% of the dropbacks. So I'm not a fan of Judy personally, so I'm not really trying to buy him. I, I haven't been that big of a fan of him as a player. But if you're one of those dudes who like Judy a lot, now would be the time to buy him because he's back to running 90% of the routes. He's coming off a bad game for the most part. So if you're looking to grab somebody, if you're looking to grab Judy, now would probably be the time to buy low. Again, I'm not suggesting it because I don't personally like him, but some of y'all do. Some of you, you gotta, you, sometimes you got to grow up and make choices. Sometimes I tell you to start a bad player and you should sit him, okay? You're all grown men and the six women out there. You make your own choices, okay? But Marvin Mims, man. Let's look at the raw numbers. Baby, I like raw. Marvin Mims ran two fucking, ran six routes. Marvin Mims ran six routes and connected on two Hail Mary deep balls. This dude ran six routes and went two for 113 and a touchdown. I'm thinking we should probably play him over Brandon fucking Johnson. I'm thinking we should probably play him over little Jordan Humphrey. I don't know. Maybe we, let's toss that idea around. Dolphins and the Patriots Sunday night football. Storyline for me here is this, man. Simple as it is, Miami's a fucking force to be reckoned with. Miami's a great team. They were my, they were my pick to win the AFC East pre-year and I mean maybe that changes with the the New York Jets but I just I really just don't see a team beating the Miami Dolphins multiple times they're so legit on offense and uh in the live stream another thing that I got right was I had a feeling it was going to be a Mostert day because New England was going to do what they did to Philadelphia and play their two safeties back and not let them beat them deep which they did a great job of coercing in Jalen Waddell 
went four for 86. Tyree Kill, five for 40 and a touchdown. You know, they ended up with fine fantasy days as they always fucking do somehow. But they never beat him deep. But what that do, what that did was allow Raheem Mostert to eat away chunk plays. And he had that big 43-yard touchdown run at the end of the game. And crazy, Raheem Mostert, that touchdown run per NFL Next Gen stats was the third fastest miles per hour peak that he has reached in his career. This dude is like 32 years old, and he's still running as fast as he ever has. Mostert was the easiest fucking 10th, 11th round pick in fantasy football drafts this year. By the end of the summer, he was like the most obvious smash pick there. He's still fast as shit. He won't have a huge game every game, but what's going to happen is a lot of teams are going to see what they did in week one, and they just connected on any dot they wanted to throw down the field. And they're going to look at how the Patriots stopped Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill, and they're going to play a lot of two, three deep players and not let them beat them down the field. And you know what that means? Six after six after six for Raheem Mostert. There's going to be a lot of days like this for Raheem Mostert ahead because defenses are going to have to choose who they want to let beat them. And I guarantee you they're not going to want to choose Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. On the flip side of things, Mac Jones looked okay. Ramondre Stevenson, thank God, got into the end zone. And we saw a huge dip in work from Zeke, which is heading in the right direction if you're Ramondre Stevenson owner because Zeke had seven targets last week. Uh, Ramondre 15 for 50 on the ground and touchdown Ramondre three catches 10 yards so not not hitting that ceiling whatsoever that we would have liked to have seen but he's you know he's he's an RB2 going forward in the receiving side of things Hunter Henry Hunter Henry continues to be a big part of this game Uh, Henry has now scored in back-to-back weeks six targets again seven targets again six catches 52 yards so he feels like a dude who's like creeping close to that borderline tight end one mark as a big part of the offense they spread the ball around a lot. Like no one really makes big plays. They have they got no juice on offense. Like look you look at the the box score of the receivers for Miami and then look at it for New England. What's the big difference here? What do you see as the big difference here? The big difference here, these yards per reception number, man. They don't have a single guy above nine five. Over here, they're living in the fucking seventeen twenty range. Every play they make is 20 yards down the field, is 17 yards down the field. Your role players, your little fucking 5'8 slot receivers, dating fucking 18-year-old TikTok stars out here, 15-yard catches every time they rack it up. These guys can't make a fucking play past the first down marker to save their lives. I will say that play at the end of the game was kind of sick, though. It was one of like the only cool things Mike Kosicki has ever done on a football field. Didn't work, obviously, but it was kind of cool. Um... Vaughn A-Chain was active for this one. One carry, five yards. Didn't matter. Nothing matters. Your mother's ass. See who's yelling at me in the notifications. Oh, look at that. Fascinating question. It makes you reflect. Thanks, John. Appreciate you not being a fucking dick. Um. All right. Let me hop back to full screen. Let me let me ask, let me ask you all. What would you uh? You guys want me to take some questions right now? Would you like me to... Should I make some underdog slips for tonight's game? Should we hit some Monday night football underdog slips? There's there's two games tonight. We got a lot to choose from. We do got a lot to choose from. What y'all thinking? You guys let me know. You dictate. You dictate my life. I will be an NPC for you. Check out these slips. And if you're new to underdog, if you have not yet made a slip... We're on fucking fire. We on fire. 
Um, and if it's your first time on here, underdog slip, let's go. No, 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 no. You can't force me. You can't force me to do Q&A by paying me money to answer questions. This is the only one I'm answering. Don't fucking send super chats. I'm doing underdog slippies. Should I trade away Alave plus Waddle for Chase and C. Watson or too soon to decide? Oh, that's a good question. So I think I think Watson is going to go nutty when he gets back. I think him and Jordan Love are going to go crazy. Ah, Chase is a scary asset, man. Alave and Waddle feel like great assets. Chase feels like a crazy asset. Watson also a little bit. I, I guess he comes with a little more risk than just like a flat-out good wide receiver because he is dealing with a hamstring injury. Anytime you're dealing with a hamstring injury, one, he could miss next week. He could miss next week's game. Two, anytime you're dealing with one, the likelihood of you re-injuring it at any point in the season is at like a 10 to 15% increased rate. So name value, you look at that trade and you're like, for sure, Chase and Watson – I'm going to be honest. I think I might take Alave and Waddle there. I think I might take Alave and Waddle there. All right. Let's hit these nip slips. I was like I was like three Khalil Herbert yards away from winning $2,000 on a slip yesterday. He had – it was some fucking bullshit. I, I, I filled out a five-square a five slip. A five-square slip, and uh, the only one I didn't hit, I think, was Khalil Herbert under 58.5 total yards. The dude had five yards the whole game, and then, like, their last drive, he somehow scrounged up 55 extra fucking yards. Made me almost jump out my window. All right, let's do some schlips. Let's hit it. Let's see. All right, so Jamal Williams, I kind of try to think of the storylines of of the games, right? I try to think of how how does this game play out and what players are the reason for these games playing out this way. I like the Saints passing game in this one. I think Jamal Williams is relatively ineffective on the ground at this point. They still are without Kamara. I don't even know if Kendrick Miller's playing. I don't think he is. Uh, though I think it will be more effective. There's a lot of me that wants to take this under 72 and a half total yards, but I do think if he gets the workload that he got from last week uh, and he's not getting it against the Tennessee Titans, he's going to have a more effective day. So I don't think I feel great about going against him there. I do like the over one and a half receptions, though. He had two last week. Let's tentatively put that in there. Chris Olave, I think, is going to go boom, boom. They're playing without J.C. Horn. He's obviously coming off a huge day, A for 112. Him and him and Derek Carr have crazy good chemistry. Um, J.C. Horn is not playing, who is the Panthers' top cornerback, of course. Let's look at um, let's look at six score. I shouldn't really put this up because this is actually a paid resource, but this is one of my favorite resources. It's from Dr. Chow. You can see the field view. Where is the Saints game? What the fuck? Where is you? Oh, here we go. All right. So the Panthers are down a little bit bad. The Saints are without who? Oh, this is the Panthers. So Brady Christensen, their starting guard, tore his bicep in week one. He's out. That's not good. Uh, Austin Corbett is starting the season on Pup. We already kind of knew that. Their wide receivers have been a little banged up. The Saints are just all green on defense. Now, on offense, a little hesitant. 
Trevor Penning, our panel of doctors have serious concern about Penning's chance to play effectively returning from his right foot Liz Frank injury. Okay, that's not great. Let's see what else is going on in their offensive line. Cesar Ruiz also suffered Liz Frank injury in his left foot last season. All right, so he could be back. It's fine. Running back, we obviously know Kamara's out. But the Panthers. So the Panthers are without Henry Anderson. They are without possibly Dante Jackson, but they are definitely without J.C. Horn. We know that. So the Panthers are down in the injury game right now. So this feels like a, a game in which the Saints can dictate the pace of the of the game, which actually makes me feel like while everybody probably fades Jamal Williams because he's coming off of a really bad, ineffective game, this could be a Jamal Williams game for sure. Does that mean he gets receptions? I don't know. I think the over of total yards feels good. I think I think one and a half receptions is, is something I'm comfortable with, especially because he plays so much. He's playing like 80, 80% of the uh, – let's actually look at these numbers. Let's take a look. Fuck it. Oh, this website's so, so fucking fast, dude. 49 snaps. He had 18 rushing attempts. God damn. Short down and distance, long down and distance, two-minute snaps, ran 24 routes compared to five for Tony Jones. Yeah, these kind of numbers make me feel pretty good about Jamal Williams' one-and-a-half catches. We we in that shit like a wedgie. I want to take the over on Alave. See, the, the thing about liking a team is, like, you start to want to take the higher on everybody. You want to take the higher on everybody, but I know that's not a smart play. Like, Rashid Jaheed looked really good last game, so 39 yards looks good. Uh, Alave, I feel pretty fucking good he's going to ball, though. Let's keep moving down. Let's see what else we like here. Bryce, 191 passing yards. Ugh. Rush attempts. What do we think on rush attempts? Two and a half. Eh. Sanders, okay. Sanders at 82 and a half receiving and rushing feels like an auto lower for me. This was, this was something I talked about a lot on the stream yesterday or anytime I talk about slips is like anytime they start with an okay running back, anyone who's not like Nick Chubb, Saquon, Bijan level of talent, and they start him at 85 yards, like 70% of the time they hit the under on that. I don't know if that number is correct, but I've literally said that 10 times, and every time I've said it so far, like Travis Etienne was another example of that yesterday. He didn't hit it, but they had him at like 86.5 total yards. Miles Sanders, he gets a fuck ton of work, so I could see why the number is so high. But I also think like the Saints are a relatively good enough defense to keep him in check. Chuba, Chark. Chark's first game back. Don't really want to bet on that, though. Honestly, it might just sit here at, at, at a two-player slip. Oh, that's right. There's another game after that. I need 18 points out of Deshaun Watson tonight in, uh, in a six-point-per-passing touchdown league to, to hit me a, a little dubby-dub in the league. 26... And a half rushing yards. Hmm. They got Chubb at thirteen and a half receiving yards. He he was kind. He's been kind of eating in the receiving game. They've been getting him a lot of work. I respect that. Apparently, Amari Cooper's going to play tonight. Anyone else see that shit? George Pickens, Deontay Johnson's out, and you can only fucking get 42 and a half on your line. Makes me sick. 
I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna play it safe here. I'm just gonna grab this two leg parlay. And actually, 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 if it is your first time on underdog, uh, any first time depositors automatically get a free square on their account. So they get a point five line no matter what day, no matter what time you sign up. I don't have it now because obviously I'm not a new member. But if you are new to underdog and it's your first time depositing and you use our code BDG. Very important. $10 or more, BDG. It'll double your money, but it'll also give you a 0.5 square that you can throw onto this leg for a free 3X here. So we're going to take Jamal over one and a half receptions. Miles Sanders under 82 and a half total yards. Let's throw a Benji on that bitch. And let's walk away with three stacks. Yer, yer. I'll throw this in the uh, Discord right now. If you guys are not in the Discord yet, that's also linked down below. Free to join, free to hang, free to yell. Maybe not yell too much. I might kick your ass out, but you never know. Where we at, though? Uh, BDG. We got the trivia discord. We got the regular discord. We'll just throw it into fantasy talk. Bang. Does the picture not add up? Oh, they don't show the pick. That, that, that's... Oh, there you go. Don't miss out on your chance to win. Yay. All right. Um. Well, we've been on this stream for... Far too long. I am soon to pass away. But we will be doing this every single Monday. So again, I humbly ask that you subscribe and turn notifications on. I think the bell is like right underneath there in the video. Waiver wire tomorrow. Trade targets Wednesday. Thursday night football preview on Thursday. Rankings on Friday. Q&As on both Saturday and Sunday. Seven days a week. Seven different freaks. I love you. Thank you for hanging out. Goodbye. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound. All with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.